0: Welcome to a new week on the Ask Pastor John podcast with John Piper. Pastor John, you were in Vancouver recently teaching on 1 Peter in a, a look-at-the-book regional conference at Westside Church, and it seems like things really went well uh, while you are at the conference, and there was a lot going on in the news, certainly. As you look back on that trip and over what you taught, uh, do you have any reflections to, to, to share with us here on the Ask Pastor John podcast?
1: The earthquake in Nepal happened while I was there, which for me personally, and I think uh, for others as well, put the second half of our study, it it happened on, we knew about it as we began Saturday morning, Uh, it put the second half of our study under a cloud of very serious reality. In other words, no game-playing here with 1 Peter, because 1 Peter, I had said to them Friday night, is a book that more than any other book in the New Testament is pervasive with suffering. It focuses on, teaches about, prepares people for suffering. And so we were talking about some of the most serious kinds of losses in the world with this enormous tragedy unfolding which as as we speak right now has about 5000 people killed 9000 injured 8 million affected 1 million children in urgent need and and of course the ripple effects from all of those are enormous and i think what what i want to say tony in response to that event and that moment in my life and and that seminar is that there is a kind of sequence to the responses that Christians should have, reflective Christians especially. Uh, if, if we get the sequence wrong or the spirit of the sequence wrong, we may do more damage than good if we open our mouths or, or if we don't open our mouths. So here, here's what I mean by the sequence. Number one, I think the first response we should have when we hear a news like this earthquake is a heart that feels empathy or compassion. In other words, we should use immediately by reflex our imaginations to imagine that we are trapped under the rubble and wishing somebody would find us or our child is trapped under the rubble and we're standing outside frantic. To find the child. In other words, use our imaginations to feel what is being felt and then to feel compassion and do neighbor love. Love your neighbor as you love yourself even before your hands can move a muscle. I think that's the first thing that should happen and, and we should repent if, if it's not happening. Second, rising up in my heart should then be after that kind of compassionate empathy prayers of desire for the good of those who've experienced the greatest losses we're christians we we know that the greatest good anyone could receive is jesus christ we know that the greatest need every human being has is jesus we know that jesus is overflowing in love and compassion toward all who call upon him, and he's ready to forgive their sins and meet their needs, especially the most painful needs and eternal needs. And and we know, this is what I found out by just glancing at Twitter feeds, we know that we will be found fault with If we pray this way for people, that is, if we mention Jesus or if we hope that somehow people would find Jesus through this tragedy, we will be lambasted as exploitive of this moment and and that we're simply doing partisan politics and utterly insensitive to the people and so on. But in spite of that kind of criticism, I am totally convinced we should pray and pray something like this i tried to th- to formulate in my mind how how should i pray i tried to do this every time a a, a calamity comes along so my prayer would go something like this oh god Have mercy on those who have experienced the greatest losses here. Have mercy on those who've lost their most cherished family members, children who've lost their parents, wives who've lost their husbands, thousands who've lost every earthly possession. Raise up, O God, every resource for the supply of the most urgent physical needs that the Nepalese people have. And and Father, in your great mercy— Grant that your people, Christians, would be among those who make the greatest sacrifices to meet the needs. And would you grant that thousands and thousands of people would be led through these mercies to see the merciful hand of God, yourself the Father of our Lord Jesus, and that they would meet Jesus as their most precious friend and the Savior of their souls, the one of infinite power, great compassion, who could give them a future and a hope for this world and the next. So I, I think, Tony, we should pray like that regardless of what anybody says. And and then thirdly, in this sequence that I have in my mind, we should, after we've, after we've felt and prayed, we should Give. We should go online, find reliable venues and sources and missions, and, and in the name of Jesus, get out our Visa card and be a part of the rescue operation and, and let our hands join our hearts in the compassion that we began with. And then the fourth thing in this sequence is that we should think deeply and biblically about what in the world is happening in the world, We may not speak at this point. We may or we may not. Uh, If the setting seems right, we might. But if not, we won't. I just mean our minds should kick into gear to engage the Bible and refresh our understanding of what kind of world we live in. And I think the very first aspect of that would be to respond to Jesus' words addressed to us, when we take him, the problem of Nepal or the Tower of Siloam, on which eighteen people fell, to which he responded, "Are those eighteen people do you do you think that they are worse offenders than all the others who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke thirteen in other words, I, I should hear the Lord God Almighty address me, me." Piper, do you think that you don't deserve to be under that rubble? So get that right in your head. You deserve to be there, and unless you repent, you will be there sooner or later. So it, it, should, it should have a profoundly sobering effect on me as a Christian. Um, you know, the article that we put up, at Desiring God, about praying for Nepal, said that the man who was in Nepal who wrote it knew of 30 Christians who had been killed. So it's it's Christians and non-Christians who are swept away in these kinds of, of calamities. It's a word for us before it's a word for anybody else. And, and the last thing in this sequence, uh, after we have felt and after we've prayed and after we've given and after we've thought and repented, then we might, and here timing really matters and tone really matters and content really matters, we might speak a biblical perspective on uh, why are these calamities in the world. And that's what I tried to do then, Lord's Day morning. Um, so after the seminar was over on Friday and Saturday, I, I stayed to preach at Westside, Side, and, and my title was The Pain of the World and the Purposes of God. And I did not focus mainly on Nepal. Nepal was kind of like a gargantuan backdrop, giving seriousness. I tried to talk about the suffering that all of us will necessarily taste as we, as we walk through a, a, a world of futility and Corruption and the situation in the world at the moment simply provided the kind of seriousness and weight that made everything feel more. It was was an unusual moment. That's probably why I felt like addressing this here. It felt there was an unusual hush. Upon the people. So, my prayer right now for those listening to this, and, and who knows between the time we're recording and the time uh, they listen, another huge calamity may have happened. My, my prayer for this is that people would have great compassion and would have great prayerfulness and great generosity and great biblical thoughtfulness and great wisdom about what to say and when to
0: say it. Yes, amen. Thank you, Pastor John. And uh, that sermon, The Pain of the World and the Purposes of God, was preached in Vancouver on April 26th, and you can find that sermon, both video and audio, online at desiringgod.org. For everything you need to know about this podcast, go to desiringgod.org forward slash Ask Pastor John. Well, does Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 imply that the gospel is only for beginner Christians? I'll ask John Piper that tomorrow. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thanks for listening.